Hey, Dunker Punks. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the show. My name is Emmett Wachowski Aldred, and I'm one of your hosts. In previous episodes of the podcast, we featured the Ministry of the New Community Project, which is an organization rooted in the Church of the Brethren tradition that has a mission to transform the world through peacemaking and environmental sustainability to make the earth just and livable for all of its people. If you haven't already, I encourage you to listen back to our previous episodes about NCP. In episode 93, we introduced our New Community Project series by speaking to David Radcliffe, the organization's founder and director. And in episode 97, we spoke to Mandy North, a Church of the Brethren pastor who attended an NCP learning tour to East Africa. Though that episode certainly included elements of NCP's sustainability mission, its goal to form community across borders and oceans was definitely at the center of that conversation. In today's episode, by contrast, I speak to two NCP workers who are living out New Community Project's radical and remarkable commitment to a sustainable earth. They work at NCP's two sustainable living centers, one in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and the other in Starksboro, Vermont. Though, as you will hear, those centers end up with community at the very center of their mission as well. So we'll hear first from Tom Venevento, the director of the Sustainable Living Center in Virginia, and then we'll hear from Pete Antos Ketchum, who directs the center in Vermont. And just one last note before we get started. I recorded these conversations about a year ago when we were first putting together the series on New Community Project. Of course, our world is a little bit different than it was at that time. And so you'll hear no mention about how the pandemic has influenced NCP's work since, well, none of us knew it was about to happen. So I would love to have a follow-up conversation about how NCP has reacted to COVID-19. But until then, I think the mission of the Sustainable Living Centers is just as relevant and urgent as it ever has been. In fact, I think it's probably more relevant and more urgent than ever before. I hope you'll agree after hearing a little bit more about them. So let's hear from Tom. Well, my name is Tom Benamento, and I am on staff with New Community Project here in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and run uh, with others a sustainable living center we call Vine and Fig. Well, as an organization, um, you know, it's really designed to um, help people have experiences, to connect them with nature and with social justice issues, and help them get really involved with that. And here, in our work here in Harrisonburg, we're really committed to cultivating and celebrating um, these works of social justice and ecological care and ecological healing as a way of building a foundation for a way of life that's nonviolent and built with joy and compassion. And I think one thing that's really important to us is an understanding that social justice and environmental concerns or care for creation are really linked together and that issues of, for example, poverty and species extinction, uh, climate change, mass incarceration, militarism, these are all really um, manifestations of a deeper root problem that we need to we need to work on and that's a culture of domination and extraction and exploitation. So a lot of our work and our mission is to transform this culture of domination to one of cooperation, connection and compassion towards one another. And 
uh, we really learn in a couple of areas how to do this or how to think about this. And, and one of them is the wisdom that we have from indigenous communities and people who have lived well on the earth for a long time. I remember when I was in um, Guatemala living there, I lived with an, an older gentleman who was Kakuchel uh, speaking, Gansam and Machan. And, you know, every morning he would wake up and he would bow to the sky and give a blessing. And then as he built a fire, he would bless the firewood and then the food he was going to have. And there's this understanding of reverence that is so crucial, what we call um, reverent humility um, and then an understanding of how ecosystems work and their understanding of cooperation and connectivity. So these are things that are sort of foundational within our mission. Um, and then what we specifically do here in Harrisonburg with our Sustainable Living Center is we have kind of three layers to it. The first is, uh, well, we're located in a neighborhood um, kind of in the northeastern part of Harrisonburg. It's a kind of a neighbor in transition, neighborhood in transition, and low-income neighborhood. It's been historically called the wasteland, an area that's been sort of not, not cared for. We have a, a polluted stream that flows next to us. Um, it's one of the top ten most polluted streams in the state of Virginia. We're on a busy street. We're in an area that was kind of infested with uh, some crack houses, and we've been about the work of transforming that that brokenness to something whole. So we have a number of houses that are supportive homes for people who've come out of difficult circumstances, um, hosting people who've been housing insecure, who've been through abuse. We have a house for uh, refugee families. Right now we have a Congolese family there. We have another house for uh, families who are in need, particularly folks who may not have documentation. Um, so that's kind of the first layer of our work, is to create a safe space that's healthy and uh, gives people connection to one another with authentic relationships. The second layer of our work is what we call our living laboratory, and there we have um, lots of experiments, principles in permaculture. So we have um, you know food systems that are organic and based on ecological systems. We have appropriate technology, energy conservation, renewable energy kind of stuff. For example, we have one of our buildings that houses refugees is made of stone, and the south wall, facing south, uh, we built a pond in front of it, and the water is in that pond through the roof water collection. And we position the pond in such a way that it works with the stone wall so that we have the sunlight warming up the stone wall, sunlight reflecting off the pond, and then in between those two, we have plants that are growing that couldn't grow in other areas because this, this bringing together uh, makes it a warmer environment. So we have kiwis and passion fruit and figs and jujube berries, uh, persimmons growing in that zone. So there's a lot of things like that on the site of the living laboratory. We've got cob oven and chicken tractors and composting and uh, edible gray water systems, things like that. So people can experiment and learn and try out crazy fun stuff um, with a lot of students involved. And then the third layer is what we call an incubator of propagation. And what that is is we, we want to build out on a bigger scale than just our center. 
we want to influence and work with the whole city of Harrisonburg and the region. So we've got a bunch of projects going on there. One is um, North End Greenway. We're building a bicycle path through the city. And again, we link together the ecological concerns with the social. So the bike path is built following, uh, it goes right past Salvation Army Shelter. It goes by a soup kitchen. It hooks in with the elderly uh, nursing home area or assisted living, um, a recent immigrant neighborhood. And it follows the stream, so we're doing stream restoration. Um, got a number of other projects that have incubated out the soil cycles. It's a composting pickup by bike power. Uh, a forest farm growing fruit trees, a business coalition, and a climate action project. So we've got <laughs> a number of things that have grown out by the interest of people who are uh, in Harrisonburg who are passionate about these connections of social justice and ecological care. Um, wow. Well, it sounds like a really yeah. cool uh, organization that's doing a lot of Great work in the community. How long has uh, New Community Project been in Harrisonburg, and how many people would you say uh, have been impacted by its work or are involved in the work at any one time? <laughs> okay, some of that's a little hard to answer, but <laughs> we've been in Harrisonburg. <laughs> we've been in Harrisonburg for about eleven years now, so we've had some time to build things out. We did start the project um, on at my own home site, and there was an abandoned house next to us that we were able to obtain and turn that into a hospitality house for for uh, men and women who struggle with homelessness and integrate lots of gardens. But then after about three years, we found that we didn't have the right zoning with the city, and we like, had five different city code violations, which we didn't really realize, and we were trying to change it, but we couldn't, so then we had to move the whole project a few blocks away to a different zoning. Um, with all these different projects and committees, we've got, I don't know, several, few different dozen of people working on different kinds of projects. You know, each, like for, the, for example, the North End Greenway project that's building bike paths, you know, we have a team of about eight people organized to work on that. And then we have um, Arbor New Rocktown, which is our climate action project, we've got about 15 people organized working closely together on that. And that's something we're, we're working on. To, we're writing the climate action plan for the city of Harrison, but we call it our EAT, Environmental Action. Uh, and that's a project working directly with the, with the city government. Um, and then we have people living in the houses, families. We've had um, Congolese right now, family of eight, and we've had Eritreans and Iraqi and Syrian, um, numbers of people living in the houses. <laughs> it's kind of hard to put an exact number. We have lots of students that come and work with us with capstone projects. Each you know, academic year we'll have anywhere from 10 to 20 capstone projects going, a couple of graduate students. Um, we have a, a middle school that comes uh, once a week. Um, so it's, yeah, all kinds of people involved in bringing their gifts and inspiration uh, to our work. Well, it does sound really inspirational. Um, from what I'm hearing, you've been involved with New Community Project in Harrisonburg uh, for all the 11 years that it's been there. Um, yeah. What drew you to become involved with New Community Project? What was the what was the path that led you to to be part of this ministry? 
Mm. Well, I think uh, a couple things. One, what I really liked about when I started learning about New Community Project was its integrated model of a way of seeing and being in the world that understands the connection of caring for human beings, particularly humans that are in need, and also the planet, and this understanding that these are woven together, and that any community project is listening to voices around the world and being transformed by them. Um, and that, I think, was what really drew me to get involved more and more. In my experience in Guatemala, I began learning from the indigenous communities of Mayan people and saying, wow, this is really, you know, what they're bringing to my world is so different, and I think this is a gift that we need to bring to the United States. And so I think they built on that, but it's, as Oscar Romero, the famous Archbishop of El Salvador, said, you know, we need to listen to the voices of those who are voiceless or listen to those who aren't being heard. And so our center here in Harrisonburg our sustainable living center is really built from that response. You know, village people I knew in Guatemala saying, you know, you need to go back to your own country and live differently and look at your policies and how they're affecting the world and your affluence. One of the places the New Community Project works is in um, Dominican Republic, accompanying community on the west side of the country on the Haitian border, um, supporting a reforestation project, building edible forests, and I assist there sometimes and an experience I had uh, you know working there I was with uh, a team of Dominicans and we were exploring some areas up in the mountains and there was Silvio with his donkey he was untying it and I shook his hand you could just feel the cracks and the you know the calloused hands and he took me to a field and it was completely um, all the corn that he had growing was all shriveled up and dried and and then he handed me a mango and said, this is all we have to eat for the last six weeks. You know, our food supply is just really being devastated because the climate is, temperatures are increasing and it's getting drier and drier all the time. And and, uh, and I began to realize, wow, these guys are feeling the impacts of climate change, yet they've done almost nothing to have caused it, yet they're, they're experiencing it in my own country, you know, realizing that, Per person, we're emitting like almost 20 tons of CO2 a year per person. And how does that, you know, how do these connections, and can we learn from each other and and make changes in our lives? So I think that, that really is what drew me. Um, and then MCP really has a positive approach to this, recognizing that we as humans can actually be a, not just a neutral or a negative impact on the plant, but we can actually be a positive influence and force. Um, if we listen to these voices that aren't being heard and if we if we learn from ecosystems and recognize that, <clears throat> you know, nature is what brought us forth and that we, we can follow her ways and, and make life much better for all of us. <laughs> is there a... Um particularly memorable experience or story from your time uh, in being involved with New Community Project that you'd like to share to help listeners uh, gain kind of that uh, narrative perspective on, on the work that you're doing and the impact that you're having? 
You know, working together here in Harrisonburg, um, in our sustainable living center, um, I wouldn't say that we're an intentional community, but rather like an intentional neighborhood or urban village working together and bringing our gifts together and a recognition that all of us have some kinds of brokennesses in us and that we have this potential to be transformed and become instruments of, of God's love and justice and peace in the world. And um, one member who works with us now, I'll call, I'll call her Betty. I won't use her real name. Um, you know, she's been homeless for almost 30 years, living behind a dumpster, been in decent relationships um, with steep and alcohol, and she began working with us, um, started working in our gardens. We've got lots of organic gardens. We sell produce and give it away to people in the neighborhood. And at times, she began to get more and more involved with us and gave up drinking. She's been sober for, I think, seven years now, seven or eight years. And she also began to realize all the gifts that she has, and now um, you know she's a integral part of our work in terms of helping others who've been through difficult times. I remember one time I was um, there was a pipe leak or something in our main house. We called the White House, the other White House, um, and I came down at like 10 p.m. and came into the kitchen. Um, she did not was coming in. And there she was in the office to the right, and she was, well, I, I need to back up a little bit. We have another gentleman who is in the house, and he has fetal alcohol syndrome and can't read very well, and he's starting to become a welder so he can do something more with his life, but he couldn't read his textbook. Well, I came in at 10 at night, and there is Betty um, with this big, thick, dry welding textbook, and she's reading it out loud to him so that he can learn what the book is saying for his exam he has in a couple of days. And, uh, you know, this is a person who's been, you know, living by a dumpster, and now she's up late at night helping this other person trying to learn um, something that's important to him. And it's just really inspiring to see that no matter what we've been through, you know, there's this, this ability to be transformed, to be helping others, and to be instruments of love. And uh, that's something I really appreciate in this kind of work. Uh, something that you've mentioned a few times and that uh, I think is really underscored by that story as well is um, this theme of being together, of being this integrated model of, of seeing one another and, and being together with one another. Um, you describe New Community Project not as an intentional community per se, but um, as an intentional neighborhood, which I think is a wonderful uh, way to put it. Um, so what have you learned or gained from living in that kind of intentional space with, with others? Um, yeah, what have, what have you learned from that? Well, I've, I think I've learned that um, everyone wants to be doing something productive and helpful and that we need to create the platform for that um, and that well, what we're trying to do is to create authentic kinds of spaces that, rather than isolated in, um, intentional community, see a neighborhood like we have all over cities, all over the place, and how can we 
help people connect to each other better and help one another out. Um, and they're really built on uh, having forgiveness and mercy for each other as we go along in this um, learning process of healing ourselves. Um, and like Betty, who I described, you know, she's been through a lot of a lot of hard times, but then recognizing that she has these gifts um, and knowing the history of other people who've been through difficult times, um, having that forgiveness as we bring forth our gifts and help one another has been really powerful. And I think for others who want to be involved in this, it's not that you need to like go out and like form a community or something, but but to build where you already are. And if we can orient our lives in such a way to connect with where there is need in the world, where there's injustice and poverty and pollution, and then be present to that in a compassionate way, understanding one another is really, I think, an important way to build that. Right. And I I really like your framing um, of putting it as an intentional neighborhood because I think that really underscores that point as well, that it can be really difficult to go and move into a set-apart group house or <laughs> move into a monastery or whatever, but anyone can, can go out into their neighborhood and, and begin, begin to cultivate those relationships and strive yeah. for that, that yeah. sense of, of community. Um, and I think so much of what you've described has really been uh, infusing a sensibility of ecology into the working of a community that community is about how it can cooperate together and, and produce life and, and beauty just like a, just like an ecosystem does. And that is, a, yeah. I think a wonderful um, example. Um, obviously. Yeah. New and again, I, I should say, you know, we're, oh, sorry, <laughs> we're, we're learning, you know, we're, we don't have this all worked out and we're, we're sort of on a journey and we, make all kinds of mistakes, and then we try something else. It's sort of an iterative learning process. Um, so it's, it's in a messy spot, you know, where we purposely put ourselves in a in a place where there is um, struggle and and uh, people are broken, and a place is broken, and that, um, it's not always easy. <laughs> we, don't, we often don't have the answers, and we're just kind of figuring it out, we're able to draw in the wisdom of other people to help us. So, um, as you've mentioned, uh, New Community Project has a strong um, ecological and environmental mission really at the core of its work. And it comes from, um, at least a lot of the people who are involved in New Community Project come from a Church of the Brethren um, or other faith-based background. Um, so how would you yeah. say that, that faith and spirituality informs the work of New Community Project? Um, either you could talk about that from a personal perspective of how that works for yourself or just how the, the organization as a whole comes from that. Yeah. Well, I think that we, um, yeah, our work is really, you know, foundationally it comes from this recognition that there's something bigger than ourselves and that in the long haul of it all, um, that all that we do is about a deeper understanding of love towards one another. And 
I mean, it comes out of the, the wisdom that we have in the Sermon on the Mount and so much of the example of Jesus and many other um, people who followed that way, of course. And, um, you know, from an ecological perspective, one of the strongest principles in ecosystem is the strengthening of relationships between different elements in an ecosystem and that if we can honor those relationships and build them, we're going to have a much more vibrant, more alive ecosystem. <clears throat> and you can easily transfer that to, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, like the primary principle in Christianity and what Jesus talks about um, is love, and, and that's really based on strengthening relationships and honoring those and giving reverence to them. And so, I mean, that's really pretty foundational for me. <clears throat> One thing that I've, I've really come to recognize is that as human beings anywhere in the world, our deepest longing is for joy somehow. And what's happening often is that we're searching for that in the wrong places, like more stuff, you know, a better career or a prestigious kind of career or more money. And <clears throat> what I've understood from and what I continue to gain from my spirituality is that joy comes only from the deeper capacity in ourselves for finding love and, and compassion and awareness of the gifts that are all around us at, the very, at this very moment. Um, one, one practice that we have is, and this is found within lots of traditions, uh, in religious traditions, is we have a bell of mindfulness. <clears throat> and so that's located in the center of our, of our um, sustainable living center. It's a bell that's outside, and then we have a memorial garden around it. And we have someone assigned to ring that bell during the week, and they can ring it any time they want, and they strike it seven times. And as soon as you hear the bell ring seven times, whether you're, like, pushing a wheelbarrow, you're talking with someone, you're digging, you're building something, as soon as you hear that bell, you put down your tools, and we have 60 seconds of of a... Um, a mindfulness where you breathe and you honor this moment that we have and the holiness of it. And it's kind of marking time and trying to slow down. And through that, beginning to recognize that we have these beautiful gifts around us. At every moment, the gift of things, colors and sounds and beautiful people and flowers, whatever it might be. And so building that, that understanding in our spiritual tradition of, of gratitude for what is the gifts of God that, is, um, that are all around us in creation. Um, like Meister Eckhart said, you know, if my only prayer is to say thank you, that would be sufficient. So that, that's a really deep and core value that I think is important in our, our um, understanding of this work. And then, and ultimately, if we can build this sense of gratitude, we, we recognize we might have enough already. Because <laughs> our culture has driven us to feel like we need to have more and more of something and we're never satisfied. But in reality, every day there's these gifts from, from God's creation around us. If we could only just slow down enough to see them. I think that's beautiful. I, um, at the same time, I'm kind of laughing, imagining um, there being a mindfulness in like a corporate 
setting when the whole, <laughs> the whole purpose of that bell is to slow you down and remind you that being productive isn't the most important thing. And that's obviously yeah. not always echoed in the, the corporate ethos, um, which I think kind yeah. of brings me to where I want to um, end up in this con- conversation, which is um, the New Community Project is, is an amazing ministry that's doing incredible work. Um, but not everyone is there in Harrisonburg, um, and not everyone is um, uh, is living as intentionally and as um, gently with the earth as as you guys are. So, what would you recommend for people um, in the Church of the Brethren or people of faith in general for what they can be doing right now to begin incorporating um, mm-hmm. care for creation, sustainability, and yeah. that, that mindset into their lives. Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I would, I would first say, well, I, I do want to back up a little bit and just say it's interesting how, like in Harrisonburg, for example, we have lots of other neighbors around us and particularly recent immigrants who are living with us um, who don't get recognized for the amazing things they're doing, you know. I, uh, a family right across the street from me from Mexico, they don't have a car. They've never flown in an airplane in their life. Um, but they don't have solar panels. They don't have all the other things of life, but in many ways their carbon impact is much, much lower than mine. So I have to first honor, honor a lot of that that's happening uh, and to appreciate people like that who are not being recognized. But I think for all of us, um, an important thing to do is, like I, I think I said earlier, to slow down and appreciate the gifts of the moment. That's really the foundational part of that. And then as individuals, a lot of um, what we don't do has some of the biggest impact, right? Um, like eating less meat, for example, is one of the most important things because so much of our meat is in, it's in an industrial processing um, that has huge impacts. Um, you know, trying to walk and bike with places that are within a mile, you know, getting our homes better insulated and weatherized, trying to do those things. In some ways, they're hidden, but not quite as glamorous, but have really big impacts. Um, you know, starting a little garden in your backyard, um, and then over time, you know, thinking about renewable energy. Um, and then I think... As we start to get our own lives somewhat in order, it's really important to go to the next level and organize with others. Whether you can get one or two other people together and sort of hone in on something that you're really passionate about in your community and don't be afraid to get get working on it and to do it, what I call the four P's of project power. One is like figure out what your passion is and then do it in a way it has a lot of principle behind it, so you're doing it with authenticity and with integrity, and that really attracts more people. And then just do do it with lots of positive energy, um, and then persistence. You know, you're just not going to give up, and so many things can happen out of that. And it's not really reliant on a lot of money, but it's it's really based on honing in on what your passion is, doing it with principle, positive energy, and 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 then I think in the congregational level, um, thinking of our churches, you know, these places can be really powerful hubs for organizing, both to get the church in its order with, with energy efficiency and renewable energy and maybe having a garden, 
motivating the members of the church, but then branching that out and being a real hub for organizing for your city or town, um, whether that's organizing a community garden, organizing with others in the city to or town to develop a climate action plan. Um, project we have done is called Give Solar, and we raise money to put solar panels on nonprofits who then can put their money towards the services they provide and, and less on their energy bills and then they're reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and this can just, there's so many ways to do it. <laughs> it's just super exciting. I think that we're in a really powerful time where we're faced with, um, you know, some of the most critical issues humanity's ever been faced with, especially around climate change. Um, and yet there's so many beautiful alternatives to this that we can be building what I think humans really long for, and that's that connection to each other and connection to the earth and ultimately to the, the divine. So this kind of work. Well, Tom, uh, I hope that listeners are uh, really inspired by um, the stories that you've shared, um, both to become more active in creation care in their own context, but also I hope that they are really inspired um, by the new community project and, and hope to become involved however they can. Um, what are some ways that they, yeah. they can become involved? Oh, yeah. Um, well, they can certainly get on the website, newcommunityproject.org, and it's just been re, re-updated, so it looks very nice, nice to look at it. Um, and there's lots of learning tours where they can uh, listen and learn from those voices that often aren't being heard. There's a great one in New Mexico. There's some, you know, all around the world. Um, people can do that. Uh, if you're a student, we have internships in the summer and then year-long ones at our sustainable living centers, one up in Vermont, of course, which is a really great place. Uh, it's a more rural context. Um, and Pete and Katie are heading that off. Really wonderful work. Um, come and visit us at any of those places and volunteer with us or come get a tour. The Community Project has lots of projects you can donate to, like a girl on a bike which is a new one in Malawi. Uh, if a tree falls, you can donate to sustainable living centers. <laughs> uh, really take action wherever you are, um, starting at home and then go beyond that. And I like to tell people to not be afraid to do something kind of crazy. You know, Lema Bowie, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, you know, she was saying, if you're up late at night and you have some crazy idea and you come downstairs and you tell people and they say, you are crazy, you're probably on the right track, you know. To really, don't be afraid. To, and our times call for that, to do things in new ways that are um, not really what we're used to. All right. Uh, Tom Benevento from the Sustainable Living Center for New Community Project in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for your work on this. I really appreciate it. Ketchum, and uh, I work as the coordinator for New Community Projects, um, New England Sustainable Living Center, which is located in Starksboro, Vermont. Great. Um, would you just take a moment to describe New Community Projects, um, what its mission is as an organization, and also what you do at the uh, uh, center in Vermont? Sure. So uh, New Community Project is a nonprofit organization, and uh, we have a lot of different um, 
sort of ways of how we describe our mission, but I think one that really uh, I think captures it well is that um, our mission is that we work for social justice and ecological healing um, to help create a nonviolent, fair, compassionate, and peaceful world. Um, so we, you know, to do that, we are committed to creating sustainable systems that help care for the earth, um, empower people most marginalized and impoverished, um, educate and inspire others, and build the foundation for a nonviolent lifestyle. Um, we focus on the sort of three key areas that we think can have the highest impact, um, which is food, transportation, and the built environment. Um, you know, and then, of course, sort of underlying all of that is this, uh, you know, we're trying to actively seek solutions to what we feel is, you know, humanity's most urgent questions right now, which is how do we live a life of joy and abundance that also does not simultaneously destroy the earth, increase climate chaos, and cause injustice to other people. So that, that you know, it's sort of a, a – that's sort of the macro picture or mission – um, overall as an organization. And then we have a lot of different layers to that as how we express it um, through our work. You know, here at our Sustainable Living Center um, in Starksboro, Vermont, you know, our, our, the, the purpose of our Sustainable Living Center is both here and in our site in Virginia is to put our principles and our mission into practice in our, the particular place that we're located and create a space for other people can, can plug into that and be a part of it. Um, We'd like to think of ourselves, the Sustainable Living Center, as a regional hub that can then implement the mission and goals of the organization where we are, um, help to grow our network, get more people involved, because that's really where our support and our ability to do what we do comes from is by more people being involved, um, and then try to create programs that make real substantive change um, on the ground where we are that sort of fit into that context of finding where social justice issues and environmental issues intersect where we are. Mm -hmm. um, so what brought you to be involved with New Community Projects, and how long have you been there? So I uh, have been with New Community Project officially since uh, 2015. Um, I started um, talking with the organization about creating a project here in the northeast of the U.S. Um, back in 2014. Um, sort of how I got to NCP is sort of a two-part story, um, and one is sort of a, a sort of a fun and interesting story, um, which is that. Uh, so I grew up here in Vermont. I grew up in a town called Middlebury, which is a little bit south of here. People may have heard of Middlebury College, and that's the town I grew up in. And uh, there's a, a program at a, a camp nearby on a lake. Um, it's called uh, Kuwaitan Environmental Education Camps. And back when I was in fifth grade, my entire fifth grade class went to uh, Keek, as it's called for short, the Environmental Education Camp, for a full week um, of uh, living and learning about ecology and our role in um, caring for our, our, our direct role in, in, in uh, living in and caring for the environment. Uh, and when I was there, um, so we all were assigned cabins where we were staying um, in small groups. And uh, I had this really interesting camp counselor uh, named Tom. And uh, he had a big sort of tussle of brown brownish black hair, these big round glasses, a huge bushy beard. He would often walk around and sort of make these like interesting statements about, you know, things we could do to take care of the environment, stuff that I never heard at home growing up. Um, you know, for a classic example one was, you know, everybody was trying to use the bathroom and everybody wanted to flush the toilet after every use. And, you know, here comes Tom out of the, out of the corner and saying, you know, if it's yellow, you can let it mellow. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, it, 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 he had he was just full of these these little uh, anecdotes and stories about you know ways we can live more simply and, and care for the environment. And come to find out, you know, I, I was really you know um, he made a big impression on me. Um, as a young kid, and so I took down his name and address um, in the, the journal that we kept that week, um, and then, you know, I found that journal again, you know, 30-some-odd years later in a box when I was cleaning out my mother's um, home after she had passed away, and uh, looked in the back, saw this name, Tom Benevento, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy, you know, thinking about his uh, his uh, ecological statements and how cool he was. And uh, I was like, I bet he did something really interesting with his life. And so I decided to look him up online, and lo and behold, he was uh, coordinating New Community Project's Sustainable Living Center in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I was immediately sort of, you know, I dove in and sort of, what what is New Community Project? And it seems really interesting and kind of dove in from there and was really the mission of the organization really spoke to me um, really strongly. Um, and I was at a point in my career, I've been working for nonprofit environmental organizations for the past 25 years. And uh, I was really at a point where, one, the climate crisis was really weighing on me more as something I felt like I needed to be trying to address. And then, two, you know, seeing around me sort of where social justice issues, you know, often intersected with environmental issues and wanting to uh, – you know, try to figure out a way to be involved with, with dealing with those as well. And so it was just sort of this perfect confluence of, you know, I was at a point in my career where I was looking to do something different. I was feeling led to, to address these issues more, more strongly. And then I found this notebook with Tom Benevento's name in it and decided to look him up and found this organization that I'd never heard of because they didn't, you know, they have no presence in the Northeast at that point. And uh, that's when I made a proposal to the organization, and they were at a point where they were looking to expand where they were operating, and they didn't have they had two people on their mailing list in the Northeast United States, and so they thought it might be a good place to see um, if NCP's mission could make some change and get connected with more people in a part of the country that they weren't located in. So um, you've been with New Community Project then for four years. That's right. And what um. So what what are some of the things that you've done in those four years, and do you have any particularly memorable experiences or stories that you'd want to share? Sure. Um, well, so what what we've done here is is we well first of all, when we were looking at making this change for me, um, shifting from my other line of work into this, um, we also had an opportunity to uh, move locations. Um, and my uh, wife's parents lived nearby, about two and a half miles away from us in an old farmhouse um, uh, with about five acres of land and uh, pretty decent um, you know, environment for some of the things that we were hoping to do with the Sustainable Living Center. And so we made a proposal to them that we um, we buy their house and build an attached apartment for them to live in um, and that we practice some old-fashioned intergenerational living, much like people used to do, uh, you know, in this country historically, where people lived together and shared resources and sort of see if we could express some of the things that we were interested in doing in simply in our living arrangement uh, by um, moving uh, onto the property with them. And so we began by establishing the center by moving here to this site um, in August of 2015, where we're currently located. And from there, uh, we began a process of... Um, there's sort of three sort of, um, if you were to draw like a, a Venn diagram of, of new community projects work, uh, you know, you'd have one circle, which is sort of personal transformation where we were working on, you know, really um, 
pushing the envelope as far as like you know, sustainable living practices and really experimenting, experimenting with those things personally. Um, there's another circle which focuses on, um, you know, affecting uh, change within your broader community through what Gandhi called constructive programming. So creating, um, you know, programs within your broader community around you to kind of create the change you'd like to see in the world. And then a third circle is, you know, activism. So sort of how you get involved with pushing broader systemic change to try to create the world you want to see. So we were sort of embarking on those three pieces as we established ourselves in this this uh, location with our own personal transformation with, you know, living, trying to live out our our values as, as intentionally and fully as we possibly could in the center and then welcoming other people into that process. Um, constructive programs in the community, we um, took over and expanded a weekly food uh, pantry slash rescue program, um, seeing that, uh, you know, food waste and uh, is a huge justice and environment issue. You know, food waste um, and agriculture, you know, contributes so between a quarter and a third of greenhouse gas emissions, you know, in the United States. And there's, you know, almost 40 to 50 percent of food is wasted and there's all these people that are struggling with food and nutritional insecurity so there's huge issues around that and we really saw that as you know food insecurity and particularly nutritional insecurity was a real issue for rural people where we are uh rural poor um and low-income folks and so wanted to uh see if we could create a you know constructive program around that and we originally started by wanting to support this pantry program through growing gardens, um, working on local food production, organic, um, close, you know, close of point of production to point of consumption type model, um, and then eventually ended up taking over the program uh, from the person who had started it and, and expanded it. And we're also doing food rescue, so keeping uh, perfectly good food that would be thrown into a landfill, out of the landfill, and sharing it with people who need it. Um, getting that from uh, Trader Joe's in South Burlington. So we go there twice a week and pick up food and then distribute it um, every Sunday afternoon in partnership with a local Baptist church who gives us um, their uh, fellowship hall as a space to do the distribution from. So it's and then getting more involved in broader activism issues, which I can I can talk a little bit more about later. But that's those are sort of the three areas we really tried to dive into: personal transformation, welcoming others into that sort of examining our culture that is rich in things but poor in spirit um, and sort of pulling that apart a bit um, in practice and then community structure, structural programs of the community that could really uh, benefit people and sort of express New Community Project's mission in a very visible way. Um, and so during the time that you've been working with New Community Project, have there been any particularly notable um, experiences that, that stick with you, that keep you inspired to continue the work, um, or that you like mm -hmm. to share with um, either supporters or potential volunteers? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, some things that stand out in my mind. So we, we've we uh, been doing an internship program, so we welcome in and do hospitality with interns from uh Different colleges, but primarily it's been from the, for, for the last several years from um, the University of Laverne, which was a Brethren College out in uh, Laverne, California, near LA. 
Um, and they have a really uh, extensive summer service program um, where they send out students to different sites around the country to for 10 weeks to engage in, in service work um, and that experience. And so we've, we've welcomed in um, interns from there for the past three years. Um, uh, New Community Project in Harrisonburg has been doing it for a little bit longer. Um, it started with them. Uh, but now we've been taking students here, too. And I think, uh, you know, some of the things that are memorable are the experiences living and working with these folks who come from very different backgrounds um, and really partnering together towards a common cause, you know, that's very powerful, um, I think, and, and, you know, there aren't as many opportunities in our society these days to have those kinds of experiences. And, you know, for me, uh, one experience I think about is we had we had one um, person who was with us who uh, had experienced both nutritional and, and, and food insecurity as well as homelessness during her life um, was one of our interns. And it was so powerful seeing her um, be involved and help take a leadership role in helping to run our food program, both from the gardening standpoint of supplying food to the pantry, but then also the food rescue. And just seeing how that was, was so powerful and empowering for her. And then from that experience, she went back to Laverne and um, actually made a proposal to the school to create a um, food pantry program for students who are struggling with, um, you know, Laverne has a lot of um, students who are first-generation college students, um, and so there's a lot of folks that are there that, uh, you know, it's it's very tight for them economically. And, you know, just talking with this, this person who was with us, you know, there are a lot of students like her where they're often making choices between, like, do I buy books or do I buy food? You know, do I have enough money for tuition or housing or eating, you know, and having to make these really complicated choices, which, you know, a lot of people don't think about if somebody's in college that they're doing that. But in fact, that is the case. And so she said, you know, maybe I could create a food pantry or food rescue program like, you know, you're doing all here with New Community Project in Vermont at the school. She made the proposal and the school, you know, said yes. And they're actually, you know, it, it made it a, into a, a, a job for her. There and she's been doing wonderful things with it and helping people. So, you know, seeing that um, where we took a very visible and tangible need in our local place of justice and environment and having that have an impact on somebody else and then them taking it to another place, you know, it's like the throwing the stone into the pond and watching how far out the ripples can go. You know, that, that kind of experience, I think, really sticks with me and, and makes me feel really drawn to this work and trying to create opportunities, you know, where we can have that keep happening again and again, because really it's all those, all those little pebbles getting thrown in and all those different ripples that are going to collectively help us make a positive change in the world. That's wonderful. Um, so one of the things that has really um, struck me as I've been talking with people from the community project and as I've been researching the organization is how central um, people and relationships and community are to the organization. On one hand, that probably shouldn't be surprising since community is in the name. On the other hand, when you think of an environmental justice organization, I think people tend to think much more about eco-activism and recycling or climate change advocacy or that whole pantheon of policy and uh, behavioral uh, recommendations and not so much about people and relationships and social justice. Um, so. How have you modeled community at your site, and what have you learned about or what have you gained from living uh, with an intentional mindset on community? Right. Well, I mean, it's. I, th I think I come from a place of understanding that 
you know, particularly when you think about the climate crisis in particular, that, you know, unless, unless we're all able to join hands to tackle this issue together, we're not going to be able to do it. And if we have a significant portion of our population that is struggling with simply meeting, you know, their needs day to day or week to week, it just doesn't place people in a, in a position where they can really focus on bigger picture issues like that. So it, it really struck me that this idea that, you know, n- no one, uh, no one can be left out when tackling any issue, whether it's climate change or, you know, food insecurity or uh, homelessness or addiction or any of these problems that plague us as a, as a society and as a planet, everybody has to be involved. And so that means a full and robust community where no one is left out and no one's left behind. Um, you know, I lived in I lived in the community of Starksboro for almost 15 years prior to starting my work with NCP, and you know, Starksboro is a bedroom community. You know, because of the way our our economy has shifted from rural to urban, you know, Vermont's no different, even though Vermont is a predominantly rural state, where most of the jobs and economic opportunities are concentrated in a few of the larger cities and towns. And in in our case, it's Burlington, which is our largest city. Um, We're on the periphery of that county, um, but within commuting distance, Um, and also to our state state capital, Montpelier. And so, and and I was, you know, I was was among that group that, that called Starksboro home, but it was really a bedroom community for me. Um, like many other people that live here. And when you, what you have, what you have going on in Starksboro, like you do in many other towns in Vermont, as well as many other rural communities in this country, is you have two different populations sharing the same town, but not necessarily, um, connecting with one another. And so you have a lot of people that are stuck in, uh, you know, low income situations or intergenerational poverty or, um, uh, other situations that are keeping, and then you have this group of people that are in a different socioeconomic bracket that are commuting and simply sleeping in the community, and there just isn't these these opportunities for us to be together as neighbors and as community members, um, all in common cause. And so, uh, you know, starting to work for NCP and starting to focus more on living in and working in my own community, and particularly through this work of food justice, just opened up all these doors and and possibilities whereby. All of a sudden, through our program, you know, we started having people from these different groups. You know, my my, my former group of, of commuters that I belong to, uh, interacting with people long time. You know, multi generation families that have lived here for a long time, um, and you know, people that wouldn't ordinarily be together coming together in our food justice program and working for the benefit of our community and our neighbors. And so, right there on the ground, you could see a sort of vision of of what of where we really need to be going which is you know in this in this these period this times we live in of, of divisiveness you know politics or otherwise you know here's here's a place where we can kind of put those things aside you know all agree on what's fundamentally important you know with our work and and caring for each other and do it together and build and build like really authentic relationships that and, and bridges with people that just wouldn't it just wouldn't have happened otherwise. So that was really powerful, I think, uh, as an example for me, uh, and you know, really underscores that need for community and this idea of of everybody working together. You know, putting aside our 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 political differences and working together on these bigger issues that that face us all. Um, I know that many of our listeners are going to be interested in how they can. Um, begin to employ some of those lessons that you've learned about community 
or that uh, yeah. lessons that New Community Project has to teach them about uh, relationships and justice um, without maybe necessarily moving or uh, starting up a sustainable center of, of their own, although I hope mm -hmm. that some people are interested in, in work similar to that. So what can listeners start doing today um, to begin incorporating more aspects of community and intentional relationships into their own lives? Um, you know, I think uh, the idea is to um, look at, I mean, there's a, there's a quote that was uh, featured recently on the, on the, um, the message board on the United Church of Heinsberg, which is a church we partner with in the next door, next door town. It's, uh, it was do what you can with what you have where you are. And uh, that really struck me as a really important, you know, and it sort of ties into what you're saying. It's like you don't, people don't have to create a sustainable living center to begin, you know, it's not about us all creating sustainable living centers. Really, I mean, the, the goal of the work is to not need a sustainable living center. It's to actually create a, sustain, a sustainable culture and society that we all live in. Um, and that really gets down to just these basic um you know, intentions and, and simple living practices. And we know that simplicity is a core, you know, value with, with, uh, with the Church of the Brethren and, and others. And, and that it's this idea of can you examine your own life and where you live and look at, uh, opportunities just to, um, maybe put, push away some of the, the, the dominant culture suggestions of how we are to live and look at alternatives to that. Um, I, I think, um, you know, a good example would be um, just sort of like the role and, and frequency of use of technology in our lives. And, you know, this one of the things we do with our interns here in the summer is we practice uh, two things. One is um, every day uh, we sit down together. We, we help prepare our meal for the evening and we sit together and eat and talk as a collective family. And even though we're not related by blood. And, uh, you know, that time and again, when, when we exit interview folks from the, from their internship, one of the things they call on as one of the most powerful experiences that they had and what really sticks with them is the nightly meal together and the opportunity to develop authentic relationships with one another and to, uh, you know, also we, we start all, all our meals with sort of an opportunity to talk about what we're thankful for, sort of a gratitude um, circle and sort of making gratitude an active part of everyday life. All of these things, uh, you know, and it's not new. This is not new information or new practices, but they take intention. You know, simple living is not um, easy. In fact, in many ways, it's hard. It's a lot easier to, you know, be on your phone and focus on the online world than it is to be in the real world and focus on relating to and, and communicating with other people. But that that latter situation is so fundamental to trying to create an alternative, um, you know, vision to the current uh, culture. So, uh, you know, another another thing is that we do a technology free night uh, or two nights a week where, um, you know, no technology and, you know, focus on things like reading or playing games or simply having a conversation with one another. And it's, it's interesting how once you sort of carve out those spaces and sort of start to um, uh, put what's sort of assumed is what's normal in everyday life in our culture and kind of set that off to the side and get back to some of these fundamental things, that it opens up all kinds of doors and possibilities to how you can make personal changes in your own life, which are going to be better for other people around you and around the world, and also for for creation and for caring for creation. Um, I think I think that's that's the most important thing is that that idea of doing what you can 
where you are with what you have. Um, being uh, caring for creation or caring for others doesn't require a big um, expenditure of money. It really just it requires uh, intention and, and uh, clarity of thought on, on what on what really gives us the the life we really want to have and how consumerism just doesn't isn't going to fill that for us. We need we need real authentic relationships with each other um, in the context of community. So New Community Project um, comes from uh, leadership who come out of the Church of the Brethren, and certainly that uh, church denomination has a strong history in the history of the organization, although we also know that its circle and its work extend far beyond that context. Um, But how do you see faith um, working within the organization, and, and how could people of faith who might be listening to this podcast access um, your work or the work of creation care from a faith perspective. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's 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 very true uh, that that's those are where our origins were, and um, you know I often when I talk to people about New Community Project, I refer to it uh, as a faith inspired. Uh, nonprofit organization, which often then opens up another conversation. And I think, uh, what it comes down to is that, I mean, we, as a nonprofit, we want to be, um, open to all, you know, so we understand what our roots, where our roots are, where we come from. I'm not brethren myself. I actually, I actually am a Quaker, although, you know, and Quakers and, and, uh, and brethren have a lot in common for sure. Um, but we want to create this, this atmosphere of openness to all. Um, regardless of what their um, faith background is, or even if they have, they don't have a faith background. We want everybody to feel like they can be partners um, in this. I think, I think where, where faith comes into it is that, uh, and what's really interesting for me as somebody who didn't grow up um, particularly religious uh, at all, I came to Quakerism later in life, um, is that so many of these things that, uh, you know, had been explained to me in sort of a secular way, whether it's caring for the environment or caring for other people or just, you know, sort of what it means to be a good person with a moral compass, um, comes from, uh, from, from faith background. I mean, there's, you, when you, if you read the Bible or you, uh, you know, look to teachings from different, uh, faith leaders, um, historically, uh, that's where you start to see these blueprints for, uh, the way to live that sort of meets those, those bigger goals that, you know, we were talking about, which is, you know, living a, living a life that's, that's full and complete, but doesn't, uh, hurt the earth or hurt other people. So, uh, I think that, you know, people can look to, they can, they can see how, you know, whether it's the Sermon on the Mount, uh, or it's, uh, you know, the works of mercy. I mean, there's all these places that you can look to within, um, uh, you know, scriptures or our faith that um, provide the foundation or the outline for uh, the work that's in front of us. Um, and so I really feel when I, when I say it's faith inspired, I mean, it really, that, that is the core from where that comes from. And it, and it also provides the sort of contextual background for like why, you know, why we're doing this. Why, why are we involved? Why do we care? Why are we involved in this work? I mean, it's, it's, it's a part of being bigger, you know, something bigger than ourselves. And it's about, our obligations, uh, you know, to this earth and, and to each other, um, as it's been, as it's been outlined. Um, 
before by many others, and is, is quite is quite clearly quite clearly written um, is is what is the the life and, and objective we should be striving for, and and you can see that throughout all different religions. You know, they all they all find you, know, you find their way back. There are there are these cores to that that blueprint for what what it is what it means to um, be a good human being on this earth and uh, caring for each other and caring for creation. Well, um, by this point that the conversation airs, hopefully our listeners have heard several episodes about New Community Project from many different perspectives, and they're really excited about the organization, um, and they really want to know how they can get involved and support its work. So how would you recommend that people start to become involved with New Community Project? Mm-hmm. Well, people, I mean, you're going to be hearing from, from some of my colleagues and others. I mean, you're going to hear a lot of similar things. And a lot of it has to do with sort of the layers in which, in which we work. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of, um, ways people can plug in. I think one of the most important first things people should do is to get on our, uh, mailing list. Um, we publish a newsletter twice a year for the whole organization. Um, and that is a great way to see what we're up to. And, and, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, we have our sustainable living centers here in Vermont and in Virginia, but, you know, New Community Project partners with other organizations and does, and is involved with work in, in nine different countries around the world now. I mean, that's part of, part of our, our, our job is joining hands with our global neighbors to, um, address these issues of justice and environment. Um, and so there's these different layers. So getting connected uh, by joining our network is the first way. You know, it's, it doesn't cost anything. You get on the list. You get our newsletter um, as well as some occasional email newsletters um, to keep you up to date on our work um, here and abroad um, and what our partners are doing. Um, we also have online presence. You know, we, so for those who have access to that, you know, we have um, we just recently redesigned and updated our website, which has got great information on there and ways um, that you can connect. Um, we have Facebook pages and we have an Instagram, which is a new thing uh, for us. Um, our site, Vermont and, and Virginia, also maintain Facebook pages and websites that are specific to our two sites, so people can get um, go a little deeper into what we're doing here specifically um, on the ground. Um, but uh, you know. One of the things we like to say, you know, as an organization, the NCP um, offers resources that, that challenge us, experiences that change us, and offer a community that gives us hope. Um, so resources, um, we have lots of print and printable resources for individuals as well as congregations and schools, you know, available through our website, some great information there. Um, we obviously, uh, the Sustainable Living Centers, you know, you can visit us for an hour a day for a tour, uh, come as a volunteer for a short term or become an intern or, a pre- or an apprentice. Um, so if there are folks out there listening who are interested in, um, you know, internships or other ways that they could spend some time with us and sort of get uh, more deeply involved that way. Um, or even folks that aren't students, um, you know, we've had uh, other people from all walks of life come and serve as volunteers for shorter terms or longer terms. Um, that's one way to get involved um, here in the U.S. And then there's our learning tours, which is where we uh, travel to these different places around the world where we work and we uh, witness uh, and and join hands with the people who are living in these places where both the people and the earth in that particular location are suffering uh, some facet of uh, the impact of our global economic system. Um, and so it's an opportunity to uh, really witness and see what's happening and hear from these people on the ground and be personally affected and transformed by that experience and then to come back home and utilize that as a platform from which to try to make changes both in, in your own life and then also the world around you. 
Um, so we have those those different layers of experiential education, whether it's a learning tour or resources online or coming to one of the sustainable living centers and really um, touring or getting getting involved with some of our work. Those are all ways people can be connected. Um, and of course, you know, our work being a nonprofit, we're completely supported by individual donations. So if people um, feel able or, or uh, want to make a donation to us, no matter the size, I mean, that helps make our work possible too. So that's another way to be um, connected and, and supportive of what we're doing um, is, is through that that way. Um, and that's, that's all information that you can find um, on our website, for example. All right. Pete, Andres Ketchum, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really, really great to uh, be a part of this, this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much to both Tom and Pete for taking the time to speak with me. And thank you so much for listening. If this conversation has made you interested in being involved with the New Community Project, and I really, really hope that it has, you can learn more by going to newcommunityproject.org. And remember to check out our previous NCP episodes, episode 93 and episode 97. Those episodes, just like this episode, are produced by a dedicated team of people who are living lives that are nonviolent and full of joy and compassion. The episode team for this show includes Jacob Cross, who edits the show and creates our music, Suzanne Lay, who manages production, and I'm today's host, Emmett Wachowski-Eldred. Arlington Church of the Brethren provides server space and sponsors the show, and we're grateful to Honor of Peace for their support as well. You can find archives on iTunes and by going to arlingtoncob.org slash DPP. And you can connect with the show on social media at DunkerPunksPod or by emailing us at DPP at arlingtoncob.org. Thank you so much for listening.